Welcome to the Your Lender Buddy podcast. This podcast is designed to empower real estate professionals with industry knowledge that they need to succeed. Without further ado, I'll pass it on to Jordan Keck for today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jordan, your lender buddy. Today, we're talking about renting versus owning. And when doing this, the question I want you to start thinking about is how do you measure the value of owning your home? You can measure it as an investment. You can measure it on the intangibles, such as the security, stability, and pride of ownership you get through owning a home. There have even been studies that have shown your kids get better grades if you own your home than if you rent. So we're going to be looking at the most common objections to owning a home, because when looking at these, I want you to think about it from the perspective of maybe your clients or even yourself as the market is shifting, because there will always go through these cycles of times where people consider it a good time to buy or a bad time to buy or a buyer's market or a seller's market. And if you understand what you're looking at when considering is it a good idea to buy, you're going to be able to provide insight, to provide information and education to yourself and your clients in that decision process. Well, it may not be a good time for you to buy, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad time for everyone to buy. The way I like to think about it is there's never a good or a bad market, there's only a good or a bad time for you. And there are people who, when the market seems horrible, are in a great situation to be able to buy and it meets their needs. So when we look at these, again, different people have different motivations, but we're gonna be covering the top five objections to owning a home. The first one, this is probably the most common, is that the payment on owning a home is higher than renting. You're looking at just the exact monthly payment, with the idea being that you're going to pay more when you buy a home than when you rent. Well, there are a couple of things I wanna to touch base on here. The first one being rent can only ever increase. I know in theory it can decrease, but I don't think that anyone would argue with the idea that rent historically has only ever increased in time and that includes during recessions, by the way. So the only options you have for your rent are to stay the same or go up. Now, if you're in a situation where your rent has not increased for a very long period of time and you're now paying below market rent, at the time, it can seem like a great thing. But especially in most recent years here and in Oregon with the adoption of rent control here a few years ago, or very recently, it makes it even more dangerous if your rent hasn't gone up. Because if you're paying below market rent and there's rent restrictions, then you can't increase your rent as fast as you might like. So you're gonna either get maximum amount of rent increase, which last year was about 10% roughly, next year because of inflation could be as high as 17% or more, so you're either gonna be facing those rental increases or you're gonna get evicted. Whether that's to do major repairs to the property, whether it's to move the landlord or a family member into the property, and you're gonna be stuck paying market rent, which could be a huge disconnect. It's really sad when I see this happen with people who are on a fixed income, aren't able to afford the higher amounts, and they haven't been preparing for it. So if you're paying below market rent, that's a dangerous place to be because it will not last forever, and you're either gonna face huge increases or get evicted and have to face somewhere else. And that's really the only options for renting. Versus if you're buying a home, the options of decreasing your payment are plentiful. So your payment can't go up. 
your principal and interest portion will never go up. Yes, your taxes and your homeowner's insurance can increase, but very small, very marginally. And the options of decreasing your payment include principal paydowns, refinancing, and paying off your mortgage. So if your rent can only ever go up and your mortgage will never go up, can only ever go down, then over time, the differences between those two get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that even if at, at first you were going to be paying more owning a home than renting, it's temporary. Over time, owning becomes a much better option because refinancing, you can tap into the equity of your home, use that money to pay off other debts and decrease your total cash flow, or refinance just your mortgage payment and decrease your total obligation there. You can pay off your mortgage. This is something that doesn't seem to be super common right now, but it is a reality. You can pay off your mortgage and get rid of your payments entirely. Imagine going into retirement without having a mortgage payment. And the last one is recasting it, where you pay down your principal, and so you're able to adjust your payments without a refinance based on the lower principal amount. Number two, objection, risky investment. So your home value could go down over time. And this one really looks at it from an investor's mindset, where the idea is the market is too high or we're waiting for a crash, and you don't want to buy at the wrong time because you're worried about losing money. The thing is you only lose money when you sell. There are many, many, many investors, professional billionaire investors, hedge fund managers, who have said that trying to time the market is nearly impossible. One investor has said that it's easier to win an Olympic gold medal than it is to time the market accurately. So the idea is you don't buy, you don't wait to buy real estate, you buy real estate and wait. Because the market is going to do what it's going to do. But as we looked at earlier, like buying a home, locking in your payments, great. You're not, I mean, if the, if the value of your home goes down, it doesn't really matter as long as you can still make your payments on it. And it's still likely a better alternative than renting monthly payment to monthly payment. But let's look at the worst case scenario. Biggest market crash that we've seen was in 2007, 2008. Now, if you bought at the height of the market in 2007, the market dipped it only took you six years until your home value, on average, was back to where it was when you bought at the top of the market. It was at the worst time in history, and you're back to normal in six years. If you waited another four years, you'd gain an additional 20% in value on your home. Yes, your value could go down, but it's not likely to historically, and even if it does, you can wait, and owning a home locks in your payments during that time. Because what's the alternative? During recessions, rents don't go down. They continue to go up. Last time from the housing crash, because nobody was buying homes anymore, very, very few people, a lot of people were not able to buy, there became this huge demand for rents. And as we know, with supply and demand on the home side, it works with rents as well. If there's massive demand for rents, then rents will go up. Last portion of this one from the investment standpoint if you look historically at the three primary vehicles to wealth creation, they are entrepreneurship, owning a business, investing in stocks, and real estate. If you look at the risk of all of those three, I would argue that real estate is by far the least risky, especially because you're already doing it. You're already in real estate. Even if you're renting, you're paying somebody else's real estate as opposed to your own. So you already have money going out every single month to pay for a place to live. Why not make it your own investment and buy the place where you live and have all of those additional benefits? Objection number three, 
it locks me into a place and I may want to move or travel. So I don't want to be locked down by owning a home. So question for you here. How many times have you said or heard somebody say, I'll only be there for a year before moving? It's very rare that it happens in the timeline that you expect. Life is full of unexpected events. But let's say that you do need to sell fairly quick. Let's say you do want to move, right? One option you do have is keeping it and turning it into a rental property. That way you're still able to get income. You're still able to pay down on your principal, still able to have that investment for you while you continue to travel. In fact, I know several people who use real estate properties exclusively for that purpose. The idea is that they bought properties, have a rental cash flow coming in, and that's what allows them to travel. That's what funds their traveling. Maybe they have a rental property manager in place that's taking care of those properties for them so that they just collect a check. And that gives them the freedom to travel. It doesn't hold them down. Let's say that you, you'd you sell in three years. And let's say you, going back to the investment portion, you time the market wrong. And you sell it in three years for $20,000 below what you bought it for in a down market. Right? You didn't time it right. What would rent have been over those three years? Because you're going to be paying for housing one way or the other. And if your house, you didn't really lose 20000 I mean, you're not paying $20,000 out of pocket when you sell the home. Why? Well, because you've been paying down your mortgage for three years. You also had equity when you bought the home because you likely had a down payment. So you have equity even though the market value has gone down. And when you compare, let's say you did lose on paper $20,000 as a result. Well, if you are paying only $1,000 a month for rent for three years, that's $36,000 that you would have paid in rent as an alternative. So even if you lost money in the house, it was still better than if you had rented and lost money in your rent. The alternative is renting, which either overcharges you for month-to-month contracts if you want to, if you excuse me, if you want to have that freedom, or locks you into 12-month contracts, which typically require a deposit, first and last month's rent. You tell me which one has more freedom and more options for you to travel around. Objection number four: it's too much hassle, or it's more convenient to rent than it is to buy. And the main one on this is that when you rent, Theoretically, the landlord does repairs for you versus you having to do them yourself, especially if you're in an apartment. An apartment doesn't have a yard. It's very low or no maintenance. Well, on the housing side, there are options to do that with your house as well. You can buy a condo or a townhome, which also are very low maintenance. And if you're worried about the costs of major repairs, there are home warranties, which can be a great way to help lessen the cost of major repairs. You know, it spreads it out where you pay maybe four, five, six hundred dollars per year, and then you pay a $75 pretty common for a one-time repair cost, and they're either going to repair or replace even major systems in your home. This can be a really great way. It's kind of like insurance for the repairs within your house. And the other option is looking at with landlords, if you are renting your home, is landlords don't have the incentive to perform preventative maintenance or high-quality repairs. Landlords are really incentivized to maximize the cash flow every month. And that means either putting off repairs until they become major issues, until they realize that they're going to potentially lose a renter from not repairing, which 
unfortunately, I've even seen the negative side where some landlords want you to leave, especially if you're paying below market rent. Because if you leave, that means they can charge the next person a higher amount for rent. And again, specifically, I'm talking about this within Oregon where we do have rent control, so it, there is a limit to how much it can be increased unless somebody leaves on their own. Then you can reset your rent to the market standards. So landlords don't have the incentive, and I can't even tell you the number of times I've heard landlords not fix major issues quickly, or they're wanting their insurance to be approved before it got done. So most recently, I remember a story where somebody who was renting, there was a leak, a major leak in the apartment above them. And that leak, of course, flowed down into their own apartment. And so they came back to standing water throughout their entire apartment, including, and there were pets in the home. Like they had a dog who came back shivering in the corner in their dog bed and just, I mean, traumatized from this issue, this water. And it took, if not weeks, I mean, certainly many, many days before this was remedied at all. Nothing was done on because they were waiting for the insurance to come through. They didn't want another repair person to come through and potentially cost more money. So they were penny pinching and it ended up costing time. It ended up costing the, the emotional strain and everything for this happening and just time and time again. Let's not even get into issues of mold where it can affect your health when things aren't taken care of. So too much hassle, Ugh, up to you. And the last one here is I can't afford my forever home and I don't want to buy a starter home. So the idea is if I can't buy what I really want, I'm not even going to bother getting it at an entry level because I would rather just wait for my starter home. The issue with this one is that you get your forever home by starting with the starter home. Your starter home allows you to buy the forever home by moving up. You see, when you're in the market, you're getting the benefit of paying down your principal and gaining in the market appreciation, right? You're going forward very, very quickly between those two things. Whereas when you're renting, you're trying to have to save up enough money and increase your income and decrease your debts enough to afford the higher payment of your forever home. But that payment on that forever home continues to go up as the price and potentially the interest rate are increasing. And because real estate is a leveraged investment, meaning it's multiplied, because you don't have to buy it with cash, you can put a down payment on it, it means that you are going to go backwards quicker than it goes forward. So even if you're moving forward, real estate usually goes forward faster because it's leveraged. Versus if you're already into a home, you're the, gaining the benefit. That's helping you to keep up with the market with your starter home. Because when you sell, then you can take the benefit of your equity because your increased purchase, your increased sale price, your payment of principal, and that is your forced savings account. Every month when you make your mortgage payment, part of that goes to principal, which is your forced savings account. When you're renting, you have to do that on top of your rent without the benefit of equity without the benefit of appreciation. It's also tough to compare if the home that you want is the one that you're comparing to the one that you potentially grew up in. Because if you grew up in a home, you're comparing to what your parents have that are 20, 30 years ahead of you in life. And they're either going to have a much nicer home or it's paid off and have tons of equity. 
but those things take time to build. So swallowing some pride, getting the starter home, not trying to keep up with the Joneses is the way that you get ahead down the road. It's difficult to do that because it requires the pain of discipline to avoid the pain of regret down the road where you wish you would have before. There are ways to buy bigger though. If you go in with friends, have family and buy together, you can still get a great home, but only have a portion of those payments. So if you, let's say your dream home is this five bedroom home, well, great, we'll share it. There are ways to do that. And again, it's either buying your starter home and waiting, moving up to it in time, or going in with other people and sharing it, and you're splitting the payments and splitting the equity up front. So those are the five most common objections. Hopefully this is helpful so that when you're talking with your clients or as you're thinking through these yourself, you'll be able to really figure out what's motivating somebody to wait and provide some information, provide some guidance on the counterpoints there. As always, be sure to subscribe for more great content, pass this along to your team, and let's elevate real estate together. This podcast has been brought to you by Jordan Keck, NMLS number 1017341, Branch Manager at Advantage Mortgage Incorporated, 5955 Shoreview Lane, North Suite 200, Kaiser, Oregon 97303, Company NMLS 1770599, Equal Housing Lender. Jordan Keck is licensed in Oregon, Arizona, California, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, Texas, and Washington. Until next time, thanks again for listening.